0: hey hey we're monkeying around a podcast about the monkeys i'm veronica daschle i'm elaine Sweatman.
1: and i'm charles kelso
0: and we're too busy monkeying around to put anybody down welcome back to monkeying around this week we're talking to alan Siler, the host of the modern musicology podcast about the monkeys debut album but first chuck what's happening in the world of the monkeys
1: some news came out today actually actually it came out yesterday that Friday Music is reissuing Headquarters and More of the Monkeys for the first time ever, mono colored variant vinyl only from your friends at Friday Music, mastered impeccably from the Cold Gym's record tapes by Joe Goso. So it looks like we're getting uh, new mono versions of Headquarters and
2: More of the Monkeys with colored vinyl this time.
0: Very exciting. That's very
2: cool. Yeah, very cool. Headquarters, very, very important record in the Monkeys catalog. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
0: I recently, this is only a little off topic. I recently found on wish a backpack that had the the monkeys in it on headquarters. And it has a little place to put in your laptop and you can plug in a USB port into the backpack. It's really cool. Well,
2: that's, that sounds
1: pretty fancy. Awesome. Yes.
0: Yeah. It was super awesome.
1: So since you got it from wish, it's going to come and it'll be changes instead of headquarters.
0: <laughs> no, it, it already arrived.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Good.
0: Yes.
3: <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: So this week we have a guest with us, Alan Seiler. Alan, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, my name's Alan. (laughs) Is that enough? You want more?
0: Tell us more about yourself. Tell us what your interest is in the monkeys and how you got started on the monkeys, podcasts you do.
2: I got started on the monkeys back in like the original run. Wow! I know all you youngsters came in around '86, but nope, I was I was watching the show back when it was. I was like a young little thing, when I was just a sweet young thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you catch that? Yes. And uh, and I, you know, and I, I clearly remember the first time that I saw the episode about their first American tour,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which was like the you know some of the backstage stuff and a couple of like onstage clips and everything. And I'm sure that's where my love of performing came from. Like that was, oh, wow. that was where I got the desire to, you know, to like, I want to be in a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, I know that that was a big influence on me. Mm. So I, I do a I do a couple of other podcasts. One of them I'm sure listeners of this podcast have heard about before is called Earth Station Trek. Hey, and, Right? And uh, so, as the name implies, we talk all kinds of Star Trek stuff. But I do another one uh, called Modern Musicology, and it is uh, we we investigate topics of all types, all kinds of music. Uh, we, I've got two co-hosts, and we all like different stuff, and we're all about. All kinds of stuff. Uh, we've got um, we've well, actually, we've got guests that we're working on booking for our next uh, episode, but I don't think it's quite settled yet. So I can't <laughs> say
3: who that is. <laughs> anyway, so,
2: you know, I do a lot of I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of playing. I'm in a couple of bands. I'm in a heart tribute band and a David Bowie tribute band. I'm not in a monkey's tribute band, but if there <laughs> were such a thing, I would be the Mickey.
0: <laughs> no, that's me. Huh? I'm you the don't Mickey. play
2: drums? No, no, no. I'll be you don't want one. her to. I
1: was...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. I, I'm
0: just, I just play Mickey. <laughs> okay. okay. You have some um, schooling in music as well, correct? Uh,
2: Yeah. I went to, uh, I majored in music in, uh in college, uh, started out doing composition and I kind of quickly realized that you know, that wasn't quite my calling. So I went into music history and um because that was something that I was doing before I went to college, just like as for fun, <laughs> you know, studying composers and studying music theory and all that kind of stuff. And absolutely love, 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 love it. So yeah, I'm a kind of a I'm kind of a history buff when it comes to music.
0: Awesome. Yep. We got you in the right place right now then. Alright, so this week we are talking about the monkeys' very, very, very first album called The Monkees!
1: Yeah. <laughs> Aptly titled album The Monkees?
0: Yes,
3: <laughs> yeah. yes.
0: And so next week we'll be talking about the first episode
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, with Keith, also from Earth Station Trek. And it's really hard to talk about, especially this first album and not also talk about their episodes because they were all kind of like completely smushed together
1: yeah that's one thing about this album it's it's less like a band's first album like you would traditionally think of and it's more like a complimentary piece to the tv show
2: oh yeah this is this is the first piece of big marketing for the show Mm -hmm. conversely the show is a big marketing piece for the album yeah you know i mean this was like you know mtv in years and years and years before MTV ever happened. You know, this is, this is them. I mean, they, cause they do a little musical segment on every episode and most of them is them playing instruments and miming to the song and, you know, and it's basically like a music video segment Mm in 1967. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) And
0: and if I'm remembering correctly, in in relation to MTV, uh, Nesmith was pretty involved Mm -hmm. in the early stages of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was Uh, right. Yeah. He's involved in the precursor to MTV. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He had done, um, you know, a couple of video projects and he was very much um, an innovator in uh, video work and particularly with music. And so, yes, he was, he was in the discussions of a show that, was going to be um, not necessarily a full channel the way MTV became, but it was definitely like leading up to the idea that became MTV. Yes. Mm -hmm.
4: With that elephant parts or is that something else? Elephant parts
1: came in the eighties and that was his, his video record, which is pretty novel as well. Um, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Nesmith was like, really go- ready to go out there. Um, well,
1: we- all the way back when this album came out, yeah. I mean, Nesmus was ready to be the songwriter, producer, lead singer of the Monkees <laughs> and yeah. was pushing for that. Oh, yes you know, they had some trouble finding a producer. You know, they went through Mickey most didn't want to move to the U S for six months and snuff Garrett didn't work out. And so they're scrambling to find a producer when he let Nesmith sort of, sort of, I think to shut him up and get some stuff started, <laughs> let him go into the studio and start producing songs before they even had voice and heart on board as the producers of the show or for, of, of the record.
0: Yep. And, um, ironically enough, Peter actually played guitar mm-hmm. on both of the two <sighs> tracks that Nesmith um did get on the song on the original first album
2: before we before we get too into that though i think we need to back (laughs) up and say that you know when you're talking about this not being sort of a traditional first album by a band it really isn't because they are barely on this album yeah they are they are basically hired hands they Mm -hmm. are you know the they have like a crew of uh, like the cream of the crop songwriters and they've got like their studio musicians and all this stuff is being put together. And Mickey said in a interview one time, you know, that a lot of those things were started before he was even hired, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when people were like, so you didn't play on the album. And he was like, Dude, that stuff was done before I even came into the picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to note, not only that Mike got two songs that he wrote on this album, but the, the 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 big story, and I think the shocking thing is that he was let produce to those two tracks. Like they turned over control of those two tracks to him. Yep. When otherwise these boys had no involvement in the album at all. I mean, oh, yeah. that's just that's massive. Yeah. And. I was looking through, I was going through Andrew
1: Seneval's book today because Mike did, I think four sessions where he was producing songs and he produced what I I counted 12 tracks that he produced. Now two of them are only two of them are on this record. Two of them are on the album. Right. But, right. I, th- but there's an interesting alternate universe there where, I mean, he had enough for oh, a yeah. monkeys album that that, exactly. that debut album could have been a Mike Nesmith led album
2: and good songs. There are. And I've, I figured we would get to some of that stuff later on, but, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, man, there's, there's some very good stuff in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that he, I think the, now that he does get the credit that he deserves as a songwriter, but you know, so he was, he was working before the monkeys ever came along. He had songs that were recorded by other bands and the stone ponies and all this kind of stuff. He was, he was having his own level of success. Mm-hmm. you know, before the monkeys came along. And I just don't know that the producers really understood what they were getting into when they hired Mike <laughs> Ness. No,
3: Mm-mm. no, I don't
2: you think know? so either. Like they were, they didn't, I don't think they knew what kind of trouble they were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. They hired hire somebody with a mind of his own. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. But I think Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart decided that Mickey and Davey in that order had the most commercial voices. And that's who on the final record, who mm-hmm. was favored. Is Mickey and Mickey the most, and then Davey? Mickey the most, right? Right. But I, I don't think they're wrong about that. As far as pop rock in 1960s, I
2: mean, you, it's hard to beat Mickey Dolan's uh, <laughs> as, a, as a lead singer.
0: Yeah.
2: The one that I feel kind of like seriously gets overshadowed on this is Peter because he doesn't really get any. He Mm-mm. does a, like a background vocal here and there, on but he two songs. Get, he he has doesn't get two any songs. Yeah. He doesn't get any leads. And he's, he's not the strongest vocalist but mm. not when yeah. you have
0: like Mickey Dolenz and all the the other three were just such strong singers. Oh, sure, and but I'm saying he's a strong singer, but he's not a
3: strong yeah, singer. He's
2: not a strong <laughs> singer. But <laughs> but he is an incredibly strong musician. I mean, he yeah. plays something like a dozen different instruments. Mm-hmm. Guitar, banjo, piano. I mean, he, you know, later on, he the harpsichord solo on Girl That I Knew Somewhere. So, you know, he's got the musical chops. It's just that they weren't included on this album at all. Right. And yeah. since with no lead vocals, you don't have really any presence from Peter at all. Yeah. Right. No,
1: which yeah. kind of sucks. Yeah. He's barely on this album at all. Yeah. It, I mean, we mentioned a few podcasts ago. I mean, the, the Beatles, you always have at least the Ringo song, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I think they're, they, they, especially because, I mean, I don't want to, I'm skipping to the end of the album now, but you've got, going to buy me a dog on this. And that would have been yeah. a perfect song if you wanted to have a, a a goofy song and they played it for comedy as a throwaway anyway, is why yeah. not have Peter do
2: going to buy me a dog? Well, why not have all four of them on that one? I mean, yeah. there isn't a track that has all four of the members on it on this album. No, that's the place so... where all of them should have been <laughs> featured. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's, there's, there's stories about why well they were not able to, to yeah. do that, including <laughs> piling together and wrestling on the floor and not recording anything and ignoring everyone. Yeah.
1: Well, the the problem with that though, is that, I mean, you got these, these are young guys Mm -hmm. and they're, and they're teaching them and encouraging them to improv and be wild while they're making the show. And they do that for 10 hours and then you put them in a recording studio. So I think when you hear those stories, you think, Oh, well, those guys are so immature. They shouldn't have been recording a record. But I mean, I mean, you, after Getting a 10 out hour of that mindset, after a 10 hour day of doing improv and acting in front of the camera and being doing these wild things, then you, you're supposed to go sit down in front of a microphone and like, you know, and be disciplined. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like, you, it's hard to turn that off. Yeah. I, I, I get the producer's perspective. I mean, obviously, as a Monkees fan, you were like, oh, I wish the Monkees were all over this record. But yeah, you know, you're I mean. <laughs> This is they they started recording this in earnest, July 66. The show's on TV, September 66. I mean, you've got to get these songs recorded. I mean, you're talking about they've got 30 plus episodes of TV in the pipeline and you need one or two songs per episode. I mean, you're talking about recording, you know, 30, 50 songs in the course of a year. Yeah, you, you don't have time to, to, to teach these guys how to do studio work or you bring these session musicians or, I mean, and it's not even most of the albums, not even session musicians. Most of the album is the candy store profits yeah. voice and heart band. But I think yeah. 10 out of the 12 tracks, but they're, a, they're a working band. They know how to work mm-hmm. together. They know how to record. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. know, you can bring them in the studio and, and get the tracks done.
0: Yeah. And not only that, but they were like Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart and Ron Hicklin. They were the backing vocals on almost anything that had backing vocals and it was almost exclusively those Mm -hmm. there was like five songs where they were the only ones and there was one Mm -hmm. song that was they included peter on and then one of mike's songs was peter's other backing vocal Mm
3: -hmm. but yeah
0: they were the primary backing vocals because they could do that while the monkeys were filming they could they could take care of that
2: yeah And I think uh, I think a thing that gets sort of forgotten sometimes is that those first four albums particularly all came out within a matter of months from each other, Mm
3: -hmm. you
2: know, because this is all the stuff. Well, most of the stuff that's happening in the first two seasons of the show is basically like all this stuff is recorded and monkey mania is like, you know, heavy and strong (laughs) and they're just churning out this product because, you know, it's basically all recorded for the show. Mm-hmm. And they're just parceling it out. But the, this is jumping ahead again. But the interesting, really interesting story is what happens after the first two albums. <laughs> and but I know. I know, I know you guys will get to that eventually on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys start somewhere. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And here <laughs> we are starting with, you know, a group of musicians who are gathered together to put this album together and then four guys who are hired to sing. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Right. Well, I will say, as a, kid because i did come into the monkeys in the 80s when they played on mtv and stuff i was not aware of any of this because oh no like i said in early episode there was no internet for me to go look up stuff it was like oh the monkeys they sing these songs here's this album they're on the show so until you know mm-hmm. i was a grown-up i thought they were like it was all them i you know yeah they, no, they the right ones, all of that stuff so it's interesting everything that I've been learning and it's like oh wow they really didn't do a whole lot that first album did they you know but you know yeah mm-hmm.
0: and I it was very strange how the um the media in the in the 60s latched on that so hard yeah. because mm-hmm. prior to the Beatles almost every performer almost none of them performed their own music
1: well it was standard practice in the in the 60s that you have the session musicians come in and record the, these tracks for a lot of the bands. I mean, because, and same sort of thing with the monkeys the monkeys were producing a TV show at the same time, Mm -hmm. but I mean, any band, I mean, session, I mean, studio time costs money and then you got to bring a bunch of 20 year olds in there and let them record an album or you bring in, you know, guys like Hal Blaine and Glenn Campbell, who can sit down and knock out four tracks Mm -hmm. in an afternoon. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and they're done. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then teach the band how to play it so they can go tour. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So what track leaps out to you, anybody? Well, what was your favorite on this album?
0: I mean, my favorite is Clarksville. Okay.
3: Papa Jean's blues. But now I've got all
4: that I need
3: For I-
2: That's a good one. I mean, it's sort of like knee jerk for me to say the Nesmith songs, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but they're really good. They really are, you know, and for, for them having to like fight to get a couple of original songs included in this mix of stuff that the producers are putting together for the album, Mm -hmm. Michael songs. I mean, they stand right up alongside these other tracks that are written and produced by the quote unquote professionals. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I mean, you know, a a, a serious talent coming into this, you know, made up band. Oh yeah. Quote made up. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting how, how varied the album is, you
1: know? I mean, exactly. And and I get it. It's it's for a TV show. This is not a bunch of guys in their garage who wrote these songs, but I mean, you're going from, you know, pop rock to country and Western to, you know, you got Let's Dance On, which is such a strange <laughs> track. Yeah.
2: <laughs> not my favorite. Let's
3: dance on. Well, on. let the, dawn. Have fun till the music's all
1: gone. Let's Dance On feels um, very much to me like we need a dance song for the TV show. hundred percent A scene with a dance, we need a dance song.
2: Yep. And so they're going through and like do the Watusi, do the do the Snoopy. Well, and it's exactly. And it's very much like, you know what's hot on the charts? Songs that like reference dances. Right. Let's make like, one of those. Doing the twist and exactly. like chucky chuckle with the
4: twist and you know the slide. and you know. Let's do the Watusi
3: walk, walk, and action too. Yeah,
1: You can imagine just voice and heart just sitting around, just naming dances. <laughs> you
3: know, trying to think
1: of all the dances, they know the names so. of. Yeah. I, I keep
0: meaning to go through that and learn all those dance moves.
2: So you can do them all?
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, at That's, the next concert is, I go to with Mickey.
2: That is like the most Veronica thing that I've ever heard. Yes. yes. She'll do that it. is like 100% Veronica.
0: Yes. In my Mickey Poncho.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. What's, what's your favorite
1: tracks, Chuck? Oof. I, I'm like you. I like the Nesmith tracks. I also like, I mean, Saturday's Child is great.
3: She's always on the go, so I'm in love with way up.
1: Saturday's that's, Child is very that's good. That's a great yep. song. I, I like I Want to Be Free. I was listening to that today. And I Want to Be Free is such an interesting song because it's, it's basically like I want to be with you. But I don't love yeah. you, and I don't want yeah. you to love me, and I don't want to be committed to you.
3: <laughs> you know,
1: if you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's like you know, say you like me, don't say you love me, but mm-hmm. let's be together. Which is <laughs> right, <laughs> such an interesting thing for like a basically a ballad of that era. Yeah, that's yeah. not like let's get married and and be happy together, or you know, mm. it, it, it's, it's like let's just no, let's just be friends. We need each other, and we love to be, we like to be together, but let's not let's not be in love. You know.
2: <laughs> okay, so here's here's the real test of this. Okay. Which version do you like better? The slow, saccharine one? I want to be free. Don't say you love me. Say
3: you like
2: me. Or the more poppy, up-tempo one?
3: I
0: like
4: the more poppy-up tempo one of
2: them. I do, too. I like the slow I like, one.
4: I like the slow one.
2: <laughs> oh, so you're 50-50 on this one. Yeah, <laughs> but
4: I think, I think because for me, I first heard the song in the TV show, and it was yeah. the one episode where it was slow, and so that's my first mm. memory of it, and I didn't hear the fast one until, like, years later. Yeah. Although yeah. I will say on the because I was listening to from the Super Deluxe, Ooh. Stuff.
3: Oh, there. you got that a super
4: fancy one i want to be free and there's one it's a slow one but it's like acoustic guitar only and it's like yeah. really pretty mm-hmm. i want to be free don't say you love me say you like me and when... but yeah i always like the slow one and i think matt heard the fast one for the first time the other day, and he was like, what is that? I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't play like that one anymore. <laughs> I've, I've
2: never liked it. I always thought like, oh, my God, this is so boring. <laughs> until, I, until I heard when once the uptempo one was released and I heard that, I thought, oh, that's so much better. I like it.
0: I probably said that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like the upbeat songs I can dance to. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: that's true. Um, I mean, the the album kicks off with the monkeys theme.
3: Hmm.
1: I mean, (laughs) you don't like it, Elaine?
4: No, I'm tired of it. I said that before. My problem was, again, because I was watching all the episodes like back to back to back to back to back. And I just got tired of the theme song. I don't hate the song. I'm just tired of it.
2: Yeah. That's that's when that's when things like on Netflix skip into yeah. like come handy. Yeah. <laughs> I you never skip do that
4: it. on n- TV back in '86,
2: n- n- which never happens in Star Trek shows. But
4: <laughs> no, 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 it not. <laughs> but but I could, I could skip the,
2: <laughs> I could skip the monkeys theme.
4: <laughs> <But> yeah, no,
2: <laughs> not me. No, I will watch it every time.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it's like a again. I mean, it was common for 1960s shows to have a a song that the lyrics tell you about what the show is, but and here it's. It's basically as a pop song, right? but, you right. know, I think they actually established a lot in, in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. We're the young generation, but yeah. we're not threatening. We're friendly, you know, Exactly. <laughs> you, you can, you can, you can let your kids watch us, but Hey kids, we're cool. You know, they're <laughs> right. covering a lot of ground in those lyrics. Yeah. But
4: I didn't mind watching it, hearing it while I was watching the show as much as right. just if it was, if I was listening to the album or the seat I would skip over it. I didn't want to hear it like without watching just, it. Just be yeah. able to yeah. watch it.
2: No, I mean, I never listen to it on its own.
4: No,
1: we do.
2: I'll, I'll listen to it
1: on the album, but when they yeah. when you start to get into the 17 variations of it on the, on <laughs> yeah. the traditions, then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll skip to the next song. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right.
0: <laughs> so is there a song? that anyone just really doesn't like on this album
2: i want to be free <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it is definitely a skipper and un, un, unless unless you substitute it with the tempo version and and let's dance on is just I, I actually i don't really care for buy me a dog either
3: i'm gonna buy me a dog a dog a dog. Why? Why? Babe, you need all the friends you can get. I'm
2: telling you. I mean, it's practically a novelty song and yeah. it isn't and it's not one to be taken seriously. And it's interesting that it's really kind of like a showcase for the television personalities, but only of two of the cast members. Right. Yeah. And wow. it, it's just it's just overly silly. Yeah. It doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the album. And it doesn't to me work as a comedy song. So eh.
0: It was interesting because they had apparently recorded like a bunch of different versions of that some of them Nesmith's that were serious
2: of that
4: all right this is five and we're rolling take it now
1: that's more bluesy it's um fingers lead the diversion of it in the 60s i'm
4: gonna buy me a dog
1: it's A lot more the song works better as a blues song. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. it would actually, yeah. I haven't heard it as a country song, but I think it would work better as a country song as well. It's that yeah. sort of feel of like, I'm gonna buy a dog because you know, my well, woman it, left it, or it, whatever. Like, you know,
4: she took my truck and ran away, you know, right? Like, yeah, I, it,
1: it doesn't right. work as a pop song, yeah. no, yeah. right? Right, it, even when it was on The Farmer's Daughter when Davy Jones was on there singing it, and it, just, it just doesn't work. It's just,
3: I'm gonna buy me a dog. I'm I, guess
1: you don't love me now. I just don't care for it, and, which, and, and you get it. I, I love in the, I do love in the, in the song though when they crack up when it says that she used, to, what is it? She used to keep me satisfied or whatever, but I can teach a dog to do that and they crack up on that <laughs> I
4: was amused by it as a kid. Again, yeah. I was a kid, and so it was funny. But
0: she used to keep me so contented. But I can teach a dog to do that.
1: Oh, she keep me so con- she keep me so contented. But I could teach a yeah. dog to do that. <laughs> Just listening to that. Mickey
0: crack up it, it's is is makes the song for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. The one I don't yeah. like is "I'll Be True to You."
3: Yes, I,
4: I used to be the kind who said. I was gonna say that.
2: Yeah, my favorite one. It's okay. It's well, okay. I don't yeah.
4: dislike
1: it, but the Holly's a- version is better. I,
3: I, used to be kind said that
1: every- I like the Hollies version better. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and the the monkeys version sounds like it's 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 very much in the preteen at the, yeah. the preteen target audience. You know, Just to yeah. the point where you even got there. They always used to do this, but they would make Davy like recite <laughs> lyrics in a dreamy voice. Yeah. <laughs> for the 12 year olds and I, every one of those songs, <laughs> I don't care for
2: that.
0: No, I hate when he starts reciting. I'll like, be
2: true. To right. You. Yes, I will.
3: <laughs> every dream
2: that you have. I'll
0: fulfill. I, I, I hate any of the songs that not hate. Okay. I strongly dislike any of the songs when he starts speaking. Yeah. I don't like spoken
4: word songs. <laughs> Sorry, no, he had some on his solo album too.
3: You're lovely and charming and loving and sweet. You captivate everyone you
4: meet. Your laughter's like music.
3: Yeah, yes.
1: that's true.
4: Yeah. So they were just following a pattern with him that Duffy had already done. Yeah, well, he was, was the... listening to that today, and I was like, oh, these are awful songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he was the teen idol of the bunch. Yeah, you no, know? and, he, and he got stuck with that.
4: Yeah. It's interesting
2: that he was sort of positioned as the lead singer of the band, mm-hmm. the, the face of the band, the cute one, the one that the girls will go crazy over. And he only has like three lead vocals on this album. Yeah.
0: Because mm-hmm. Mickey like, was the voice the, of the monkeys. Davey right, the face
2: the ma- of the monkeys. R- right. The majority of this is Mickey. And I, yeah. you know, and so there was that sort of like a period where they were playing with a different configuration where Mike was going to be the bassist. And mm-hmm. I don't even remember the rest of it. Like, I, I guess Davey was going to be the drums or something. I don't even remember. And uh, I think they actually did that configuration one time on the show in whatever song it was they were playing at the time. I don't know why I went on this tangent. This, this <laughs> I feel like Asmo. Davey would disappear behind the drum kit.
3: <laughs> like he's too small to be the drummer. <laughs> yes. Exactly.
1: It's because I'm short. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think they're right though to to focus on Mickey on this album. I mean, as as far as you know. 1960s pop rock. I think he's got a great voice for it. Yeah, I agree. And I think he does a great job on the songs he sings. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah.
2: A hundred percent. I think he, he was definitely the best dude for what they needed at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, Carol King and Jerry Goffin. Yeah. Are like hugely successful songwriters in their own right. And Mm -hmm. uh, had a couple of things on this album. Um, Carol King. Of course, after this, went on to be a solo artist and had a big string of, you know, top 40, top 10 hits and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't remember which record label it was. Was it Sony that used to do the uh, like a greatest hits package called The Essentials? Mm. Mm, And they were they were all two disc sets. Um, and they eventually released re-released some of them as three-disc sets with bonus tracks and stuff, but they were all originally two discs, and it would be like a really comprehensive overview of whatever artist was featured on them. And one of my favorite ones is the Carol King one, because disc one was her as performer, as solo artist, and it's all her all her solo hits from the radio, you know, just great stuff. And then disc two was her as songwriter, and it was... A collection of all these songs that were recorded by other groups and you know you kind of forget what an extraordinary career as a songwriter she yeah. and, and the two of them had prior yeah. to her solo career but it you know included pleasant valley sunday and a, mm-hmm. a, like another monkey song or whatever and then just a ton of other stuff and i encourage people to go and look for it. it is a fantastic collection mm-hmm. Yeah, she and
1: Jerry Goffin actually wrote with Nesmith on this album. Yes, a they young did. thing, which yes, apparently did. did not go real well because no. they left afterwards. But um, I, I don't think it was a great experience for anybody. But it's interesting that you have a, a Mike Nesmith, Jerry Goffin and Carol King
2: written mm-hmm. song. And I don't know the story behind that. I don't know who, how that, how that collaboration came together. I don't know where the song idea came from, right. if it was Michael's and they brought in Jerry and Carol to like round it out or did it originate with the three of them? Like, let's just come up with ideas. I don't yeah. know. But in the day by day story, it sounds like, I mean, you get Don Kirshner's view
1: on it is that he let Mike Nesmith uh, sit and write with two of his best songwriters, which yeah. he never mm. does for anybody. Like he did Mike a big favor. Yeah. And Mike felt like he made him go basically, like basically, basically he's having them babysit him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that he, he felt like it was a slap in the face that he's having to go right with Jerry Goffin and Carole King.
2: Right. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I can see I can see both sides of that right situation um, easily. Yeah, but the the song is a really interesting song. And, I, I, and the way he performs it, the way he just delivers the, the yeah. lyrics is is yeah. really sort of offbeat and interesting.
2: Yes, it is. And it's
3: love you.
2: It's definitely different than anything else on the album, but in a good way, yeah. You yes. know, not like buy me a dog, which just doesn't fit the tone <laughs> of the album. This one, I think, uh, gives him a, a sort of a, like a platform to show what a unique voice and unique performer he
4: is, mm-hmm. yeah. And this is very much a Michael song, oh, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, even though somebody else wrote it with him, you can tell it's a Mike song, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, reading the liner notes from uh, one of the new released records, um, Nesmith, that said that I think Sweet Young Thing is a good song. I like Jerry and Carol quite a bit. It was not the sort of songwriting alliance that I would continue to any great effect. I'm not a fan of the writing environment. I don't like to be cast with some other folks and being told write with mm-hmm. them. And they had very strong, strong songwriting styles. And he enjoyed working with them. It was just the circumstances that were tough.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes
1: yeah, total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if if you're a young songwriter, you don't want to be paired with two people that I mean you maybe you don't know, maybe you barely know. Yeah. And say mm-hmm. write a song. <laughs> like yeah. no, I've already I've got a stack of songs I've already written. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm writing songs yeah. all the time. Yeah. You right. know? And I mean and, and I think he rightfully I mean, okay, he's not experienced in recording. He's not experienced in having records out, but he's ex- you know, I think that he had the goods and he knew he had the goods. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Yeah. So since we're talking about Mike, I kind of want to get into some of these things that were being recorded and going on at the time that this album was being done and didn't make it onto the album because there's a whole lot of really, really great stuff that came out of these sessions. Um, And a a number of them are Michael songs. Uh, My favorite being all the King's horses. All the
3: King's horses and all the King's men. They couldn't put my broken heart back together again.
2: Yes, which I just, holy cow, what a great song that is. It really is. Um, but you also have You Just May Be The One.
3: As the sun.
2: Which is very possibly my favorite Michael song ever. And it ended up being recorded a couple albums later, but here it is being used in season one. Yeah. Um, on a couple of different episodes, actually. Um, Yeah. Propinquity, phenomenal song. Mm -hmm. I know I've been blind Did not have loved you all this time Yes. And I I think that he was such a strong presence in the (laughs) sessions. It's not necessarily represented on the album, but when you start digging underneath the surface, Man, mm-hmm. he he is just like coming on. Like I mean, like I say, they don't they did not understand what they were getting into when they hired him, and I think yep. that he came in with all that. He is a headstrong young dude, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, you know, reportedly punched a hole in the wall you know, <laughs> in some in one of their <laughs> particular meetings, and you know he has very very strong ideas about what he's wanting to see happen mm-hmm. and i think that they were in, in, intending to just hire four kids who could sing and play these characters on tv and mm-hmm. that's all they wanted right. and michael was a bulldozer oh yeah and it-
1: you know, I mentioned earlier, he he really was jockeying to be the, the lead singer, songwriter, mm-hmm. producer. And those sessions he produced June, July 1966. I made a list earlier because I was curious mm. what that album would be if, mm. you know, if, if the, the now these are not demos he had. These are the actual the sessions that he was producing. So here's here's the list. This is not necessarily in order because I'll slip back and forth in the book. All the King's Horses. I don't think you know me. Papa Jean's Blues. Sweet Young Thing. You Just May Be the One. So Goes Love. Mary, Mary, of you, I prithee do not ask for love. The kind of girl I could love, I won't be the same without her. And gonna buy me a dog. The-
2: that's like the best
1: monkeys album ever.
3: Yeah, <laughs> like that, that's. a I that's mean, a great album
1: right there. That's yeah. a that's a good album right yeah. there. Yeah, Man, it is. Come yeah. on, come on. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a great collection of songs. It's not all songs that he wrote, and you know he's in, singing lead on a lot of them. But I think mm-hmm. I, I I would love it if they. I you know I I could just do that on a Spotify playlist. Just make a playlist yeah. of totally the sort of alternate universe Michael Nesmith monkeys first monkeys album. Um, because <laughs> I think I, that's a fantastic that's a idea for yeah. a playlist. Yeah, yeah. That, that 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 that's a solid album right there. Yeah, and, and I think all of those were pretty much done except for "Gonna Buy Me a Dog." They never put lyrics on. hmm yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, no, when I was looking at the song, the the um, I really do not ask. I saw who voted. I was like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? Because it was um, Michael Martin Murphy. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the wildfire guy. Okay. I did the not-
2: wildfire I- guy. Yes, it is. That's
4: I- the new wildfire. So I'm like, oh, okay. I did you not realize. it was a like- wildfire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you've also got David Gates on here writing Saturday's Child, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who would be in bred not long after this.
4: Okay. Yeah.
1: So it's, uh, it's interesting to see who was bobbing around writing songs at that time.
2: Mm-hmm. So speaking of, I don't think you know me, which version do you like better? Michael's.
3: If you think I want the you choose to
2: spill. Or Mickey's.
3: I don't think I want the love you've got to give. Ooh. Um,
1: I'm going to say Mickey.
4: I like Mickey's okay. version.
2: Okay. Anybody else?
4: Uh, I'm trying to hear them in my head and my brain's not <laughs> working that way right now. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm really I'm really torn on that.
4: I I really love Michael's.
2: Okay. And it's it's not that it's even that much of a different song. It's exactly yeah. the same track. It's just right. that they both recorded a lead vocal for mm-hmm. it. Um I just think that it suits Michael's voice. Okay. So well. Yeah. But yeah. they're both great. I, I wouldn't care which one I listen to at all. I love them both. Yeah, it's it's kind of rare that I we actually sit
1: and listen to albums. Usually, just everything that I've got just goes in a big playlist, and so just every version of Monkey songs. I, so I forget which one is like which one was actually on the records. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how would you rank this album
0: among all the monkeys albums? I mean, there's a almost a, ten of the twelve songs are really strong. Mm-hmm. really really strong like for I mean I know they weren't all hits but for me they were yeah they were all really solid and that's extremely rare for mm-hmm. anyone to have that percentage of solid good solid songs on one album
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's, I, th- I think it's a really good album I don't know ranking it as a monkeys album I guess I would be different from ranking it just as and I, I enjoy the album yeah. a lot I, as far as the monkeys album go it's not my top monkeys album by any means, oh, no. <laughs> but um, because it's not as much a monkeys album, it's uh, the, I mean, it's mm-hmm. before the monkeys were even a band, you know, at this, right. at this point, they're playing a band on TV and and making songs to go with the TV show. But yeah, I, I like this album a lot. I think it's, it's solid. It's not a lot of Duff's tracks
2: on this album at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would probably rank it, I don't know, fourth or fifth, maybe in, mm. in the, in the ladder of, um, monkeys albums
0: yeah Pisces. that sounds about Pisces
2: right. being at the top <laughs> right yes yeah. I'll just I'll just go ahead and like throw my cards on the table right now Pisces is yeah. the the monkey album right um yeah. but uh you know I just find it to be a little more uneven mm-hmm. it's 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 not as cohesive a collection of songs as pretty much any of their later albums are right mm-hmm. I think this was like um we have to do as broad a representation as we possibly can for this band that we're selling on TV. And, um, because of that, I just don't think that it really works as well as a collection.
3: Yes.
4: Mm. I know, will write that. Yeah. That's good yeah, cool to Describe it,
1: it too. It's more of a, it's a collection of songs more than it is an album. The, exactly. Well, you know? Exactly. Yeah. There you go.
4: Yeah. Cause they did better with more of the monkey. That was a better. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Better, better album.
2: I agree, um, but then Headquarters tops that, and then Pisces tops yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, that's basically the top four right there in reverse order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Well, yeah.
4: more, more of the monkeys is the first monkeys album I ever had. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, my stepmother had the original vinyl, and she's like, "Here, you can have it." And I'm like, where's oh, it's mine." <laughs> um, so that was the one that I had that I listened to a lot until I was able to get a copy of Pisces yeah um Mm -hmm. yeah and eventually i think i got headquarters i think but it was more the monkeys and pisces was all i had for a long time
2: yeah you don't need anything else (laughs) i I mean that's not true i was
0: trying to think back because i got all the records my mom and dad had and I was trying to think if there were any monkeys albums in there. I mean, obviously there no. were Beatles albums, but I don't think there were any well, monkeys albums. When we
1: started when we started listening to the monkeys a lot, you mentioned that to your mom. Yes. Your mom was born in what the 1940s, right? Yeah, late, 48. 48. And the first thing she said was, you know, they don't play their own instruments.
0: Yep. That's the very first <laughs> thing she said. Like wow. we like the monkeys. You know they don't play their own instruments. <laughs> like the very first thing out of her mouth, yeah. like almost immediately after I finished saying. Well,
1: that's, it's it's pervasive. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. Once that it was is. out there, what's interesting to me too is that it, it was it wasn't a secret. Like they acknowledge it on the on the record. Yeah. I mean, he, Mike's talking to the guitarist, <laughs> you yeah. know, and then it's clear in gonna buy me a dog that they're that it's a track playing. Yeah. That's one thing I do like about this album, though. I mean, you start off with the theme song to the show, you end with the comedy track. It has you know, its roots are very much in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and totally. I, I like the TV show. And I, I think this feels very much like a complimentary piece to the TV show. Like I said, more than a, more than a band. I wouldn't say this is the monkey's first album. It's the first album from the monkeys, but I would say headquarters mm-hmm. is their first album. Oh, hundred yeah, we'll, percent. We'll get 100%. To a little bit later on, but it's yeah. interesting to follow the, the progression of the show as they go from, you know, actors playing a band on TV to, to yes. becoming a band and then sort of back again by the time you get the changes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. yeah. by changes, they're really back in the in the situation where they're they just go in and lay on a vocal on a mm-hmm. track that someone else produced without them.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. There you go. Because this is basically like they they have records of like the Friends soundtrack and and soundtracks from TV episodes and and mm-hmm. TV series, and this is basically that. This is yeah. the Monkey yeah. soundtrack.
1: I did want to mention too before we wrap it up. This this album was number one for thirteen weeks, until it was bumped by more of the monkeys. By more of the monkeys, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> they
2: knocked themselves out of the top spot.
1: Yeah, which is yeah. a great problem to have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they both be top? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well,
0: one had already sold for thirteen weeks, so right.
2: <laughs> you know, and mentioning the thing about them not playing their own instruments, I, I you know. I, that is kind of a big thing for me. I, I, I tend toward music that is written by the artist that does it that's played by the artist that does it that's produced by the artist, you know, less so, but, but the writing and the um, performing is is a, is a kind of an important thing to me. So there are, there are some artists, you know, like Linda Ronstadt and like um, Tina Turner that I like, in spite of the fact that they aren't songwriters and aren't musicians, they're just singers.
3: Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's
2: fine. Um, but I think it's I think it's interesting to note, um, particularly at this time, that there are people who are in those categories that are big monkeys fans, and you know, famous ones like Zappa and the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so they had there there was something going on there. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, okay, maybe they didn't play their own instruments. Everybody knows that, but still, I feel validated by the fact that. Frank Zappa thought they were great, and the <laughs> Beatles loved them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And
1: I mean, it was it was commonplace in that at that time. I mean, it's, it'd be like saying that Pet Sounds isn't a Beach Boys record because a lot of the same session musicians that perform the Monkeys tracks were were performing Pet Sounds on the yep. record. I um, and, and then you have groups like the Temptations who don't play instruments at all; that
2: they're just a singing group. Exactly. And but that was that was the thing at the time, mm-hmm. particularly yep. with Motown, is that that was. They, they were basically, I don't all, want to use they were all factory yeah. that, that, yeah. that cranked out all these records. And then the personalities were the singers right and mm-hmm. the personalities were what sold the songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody, anybody former. could have song sold. Anybody could have sung those songs. Yeah. And with this album, I kind of feel like anybody that had been hired to play these four characters on the show would have been singing these songs and it would have been the same album. Right. Except for, except, except for Mickey. the two. Except, well, no, except for the, right. the Nesmith songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Because, I mean, one of the things I was reading was um, Nesmith was talking about how he really liked uh, all, all the songs that um, Voice and Heart were writing. And that mm-hmm. um, he really enjoyed their, like, original tracks that they had originally recorded for the samples. Um, but he said when Mickey sang it, something magic happened and it just changed and became no, this whole other thing.
2: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Those are fantastic songs and I don't care who wrote them. They're just really, really good songs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that they, I'm not, I don't want to say that they, because again, whoever had got hired would have sung them, but I think, so I was going to say, um, they write really well for Mickey's voice, but I think what happens is Mickey's voice works incredibly well on their songs that is
0: that that is true i think that yeah. it's
2: just it's just a, a a pairing that works and it's really strong
0: and yeah. it's proven to work later when there's Dolan's jones boys and heart
2: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <Yep>. there's. <laughs> i don't
1: think yeah. that worked quite as well but um i think the thing with the monkeys is, is that i mean you've got mickey who can handle the pop rock you've got davy who can handle the, the sort of teeny bopper love mm-hmm. ballads and the the, the the girls who are buying Sixteen Magazine at that time, or Tiger Beat. You've right. got Mike, who's a, a singer songwriter bringing the country influence. I think, I think each of these guys bring something unique that you know five guys off the street or four guys off the street would necessarily bring.
4: Except for poor Pete. <laughs> Peter
1: yeah, Pete doesn't <laughs> Peter. really get to bring a lot to this album. No, but I think the monkeys get a lot of extra criticism because they're hard to define because they're not a Motown group and they're not a, a group of singer songwriters who are producing all their own albums. They were in a garage band from California who made it big. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they sort of walked the line. And even the monkeys themselves over the years have had a hard time defining whether they were a band or not,
3: mm-hmm.
1: which I think is an interesting, an interesting aspect to it. Yeah.
0: So Chuck, what do you have for us this week? And you might also like.
1: Uh, this was when well, I'm not done watching it. I just started watching it, but it's one that actually Alan turned me on in a conversation we had. It's uh, the documentary Summer of Soul oh Uh, i'm about halfway through and i think if you if you enjoy 60s music you've gotta you've got to watch summer of soul because it's
4: uh i loved it loved it loved it loved it
1: yeah
2: oh my god it is soundtrack (laughs) um it has it has been it has been brought up in conversations on my other podcast uh, modern musicology a number of times mm-hmm. no matter what the subject matter is somehow it comes up. So we're <laughs> talking about what our upcoming episodes are going to be and I was like, "Oh, you know what we should do? Um because this one that, that we had talked about before, we should do we should talk about our favorite concert films because it's been a few episodes since we've actually mentioned Summer of Soul. <laughs> it, is, it is so good. It is like the the Harlem version of Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Um And it's an interesting story to watch unfold. And this is not just a concert film. It's actually a documentary, not only about how the event came together, but about the socio-political stuff that was going on at the time that this was happening. And, oh, my God, just focusing on the performers and the music that was being played. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's fascinating.
1: And the footage they have is incredible. And it's amazing that they, they shot this. And
2: just someone sat on it for 50 years. For 50 years in somebody's basement. Yeah. And it's just an amazing story. Mm -hmm. And and there's little things that you learn in the documentary. Like um, this was sort of produced on the cheap. They, you know, they had limited budget. Mm -hmm. So this whole show was done during the day and they had to find a place that uh, could hold a large audience, but that the stage could be set up facing the sun. Because they could not afford lighting. Right. right. So they couldn't do it at night and they couldn't do it in a, in a, in a place that required a lighting rig. They had to only use the sun. And that's just, that's just amazing. Yeah.
4: I, I love the wide variety of people they had on yeah. there. Like, I was like, I've never heard of them. I need to find out more about them. Mm-hmm. These little, like people, like groups and bands from middle of nowhere, Mississippi. I'm like, Oh, I've never heard of them before. So it was really (laughs) fun learning about new musicians, other than like Stevie Wonder and the Fifth Dimension and the names you all know. There were all these Mm -hmm. other little groups in there that were amazing.
2: Yeah, great, great, great film. Absolutely.
0: All right, Alan, we'll start with you. Where can people find more of you on the internet?
2: Uh, Modern Musicology and Earth Station Trek can be found on all the places where you get good podcasts like this one. And that is like Spotify and Apple and all those places. Um, I also have a little publishing company called CosmicPress.com, uh, K-O-Z-M-I-C-Press.com. And I'm working on three new books. Oh, wow! wow. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll finish one of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And how about you, Elaine?
4: Uh, you can find us at MonkeyingAround.com and on Twitter at MonkeyingAround.
0: How about us, Chuck?
1: Feltnerdy.com. Yes, which
0: takes you to our
1: Facebook page. Yep, or you can find us on our other podcast, Earth Station Trek, and you can find Alan there as well. And uh, Keith Johnson, who will be joining us soon on this podcast, um, probably our next episode, I think, to talk about the original Pot Monkeys pilot episode.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks for monkeying around. (laughs) Thanks for monkeying around with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com.
3: Open the door, and let us out. They're coming to take us away.